So uh, we're continuing uh, in our series uh, called David Shaped by God. And we're looking at the life of David, uh, following through from 1 Samuel chapter 16, when the prophet Samuel uh, anoints David and prays for him to be the future king. And then it takes many years of struggle for David to actually become the king and start to rule as the king over the nation of Israel. And during that time, we've seen that God is using many circumstances to change David and shape him. Uh, and the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, but it took many years for that to happen. Um, and what we're looking at is how does this ancient history, how do these stories in the Bible affect the way we live today? And they do because we're spending our lives uh, becoming more like Jesus. We receive Jesus. We, we get The Bible talks about us being born again uh, in a moment when we, when we repent of our past life and make Jesus the Lord of our lives. But then we spend the rest of our lives being changed by the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. And so this has real relevance for us today. And uh, as you will have seen or heard in the passage that's just been read to you, we're now in 2 Samuel chapter 6, just these first five verses, and I've called today's message the presence of God. And David, who has now become the king, we saw last week that he was the king, that he's had to go and fight the Philistines, uh, he's defeated the Philistines, and what is the next thing that he does? And he now goes to fetch what's called the Ark of the Covenant. And this represents the presence of God. And it's been at this, uh, this town that he's going to since uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 5, the, the, the Philistines capture the Ark and they take it back to their like capital city, into their temple, but but problems start for them because what they find is they worship a god called Dagon and what they find is that as the Ark of the Covenant is in this temple their god called Dagon starts to fall over and they put him back up again and he falls down again and the Philistines are going oh we, we, we don't understand what's going on here we need to get rid of this thing they don't even want to keep the Ark anymore because they sense there's power in it that's too great for them and they don't like the fact their God keeps falling over. And so they give it back. They give it back to the Israelites. And the Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 7 uh, take it to this town. And it's been there ever since. And the, sharp, the, the, the ones of you that want to study this will note that in 1 Samuel 7, there's a different town mentioned uh, to the one that's being mentioned here in the passage we've just read. And that's because this town has two names. And actually we see that, I think it's in Joshua 15 uh, and 1 Chronicles 13, this town is named as, known as this. And so it is the same place. So David is going back here. It's about a four hour march, probably from Jerusalem, but he's making a big statement here. He's taking 40,000 of his best warriors to do this march, to go and get this ark and bring it back. And it's probably a day's work. It's probably around a four-hour march there and a four-hour march back. And what David is saying to everyone is that I'm the physical king, so I've become the king, but, but actually I'm going to fetch the real king. I'm going to get the real king because his presence is here 
and I need to bring him back into the city of Jerusalem. God is now going to invade this space. Uh, I want the real God, the real king to come in. And, and David's making a statement, which we really see through his life, a hunger for the presence of God, is I, I must have this with me. I must have the presence of God with me. That's what's going on here. That's why I just want to linger for a moment. We'll, we'll spend a little bit of time in this chapter in the next couple of weeks as well. But today I want to just stop and talk about the presence of God, because that's what this represents, this Ark of the Covenant. And so I, I, I want to have a brief overview of the presence of God in Scripture and why it's so important. Talk about the presence of God and, and me, and then talk about the presence of God and the church. That's kind of where we're going in these next few minutes. So the presence of God. So the ark, this box, is kind of a sign of something better that's to come. It's God's desire to live among his people. And this uh, kind of was the holiest place. So where the tabernacle was is the presence of God. This is the holiest place, but it's still only like a signpost of what's coming. And so if we look back through Scripture, we look right back to Genesis 3, we see, uh, we see before the fall, before the, the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God kind of had this special relationship with Adam and Eve, that he would come and walk with them in the cool of the evening. It's like God was with them. And one of the first things that happens after the fall is after the separation because of sin is that God comes looking for Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve are feeling shame at what's happened and they hide themselves from God and God has to call out, where are you? And it's like that's the call that's been going out through the ages since then. It's like God saying to, to humanity, where are you? And we don't want God. We're... we're, we're, we're we're ashamed there's something in us now that wants to recoil from god we, we we don't want god to rule over our lives and that's what's been happening through the ages but god created created us to be in intimate close fellowship with him to know his presence daily and then we see uh, uh through the book of exodus that the that moses starts to commune with god and God starts to speak to Moses, and, and it kind of ends up with what's called a tent of meeting, where, where, where Moses would come down a mountain full of the glory of God, the presence of God on him, and it, it, it ends up setting up a tent, uh, it's, it ends up being called the tent of meeting. And it's where Moses would go to meet with God, and we see at the very end of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 40, it talks about the glory of God descending on this tent of meeting, and it filled with the presence of God. Uh, uh, and then if we just skip forward from the, from the Ark of the Covenant, we then see Solomon uh, building a temple for God, a, a magnificent temple. And in 2 Chronicles 7, they pray, they kind of consecrate the temple, open it, and it says the glory of God descends. The presence of God is powerfully there. And then we see God himself comes in the person of Jesus Christ and walks the earth and is among us and Jesus is able to say he who has seen me has seen the father they're just signposts for what's coming and the differences between the old and the new testament because we live in this new covenant age where Jesus has come and walked the earth and what are the differences between the presence of God in the old covenant or the old testament and the new testament or what we call the new covenant 
And just the obvious ones are that in the Old Testament, the presence of God, once the fall happens in the Garden of Eden, it's even, even I guess, in the Garden of Eden, it's a place. And then it's, it's this tent that God comes and the glory descends. Uh, or it's this Ark of the Covenant. It's, it's a box. Or it's a temple. It's Solomon's temple. And you go to these places and you see the glory of God. The glory of God is there. I need to get to this place. But now, with the New Testament, the New Covenant, with Jesus coming, the plan of God is that his presence breaks out everywhere. It's no longer geographical, but it's everywhere, and it's in people that will receive Jesus. It's the church. We are now the temple. We are now many, like, mobile temples, the presence of God. It's prophesied by the... Prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, (coughs) verse 27, he says, My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 6, 16, uh, Paul kind of says, For we are the temple, he kind of repeats these words, We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling place among them and walk among them. His presence goes with us. We are mobile with his presence. It's abiding. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Paul says to the church in Corinth, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Church, this is amazing. I believe we can get too familiar with these truths. <clears throat> they are extraordinary. People lived for many ages, many centuries, with a sense of God was here, and if you really wanted to find God, you go to this place. Jesus comes and changes everything. And the plan of God is that he would pour out his presence and his Holy Spirit on anyone that would receive him. (laughs) And we become living temples of the presence of God. And the danger is we can just go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know this stuff. And it stops overwhelming us. And my prayer is for myself is that God, don't let me become familiar with these things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, so 7, verse 7 through 11, Paul talks about the glory, as he calls it, of the new covenant. And what he tries to explain to the church in Corinth, and it's relevant for us, he says, he says, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, when Moses went to meet with God, he would come down with glory like all over him because he'd been with God. And it was so glorious that people could hardly look at him. But he says this, he says, this new covenant where God comes to live on the inside of each one of us is so much more glorious, it's as though Moses had no glory on him. It's as though it's nothing. What Moses had, where people were kind of falling down just when they saw Moses, because he still had the glory of God on him, Paul's saying that's like nothing compared to this new covenant where God comes to live on the inside of each one of us. And Paul's kind of saying, please, church, in Corinth, don't get used to this. It's extraordinary. 
the glory of what God has now done is overwhelmingly amazing. See, David's temple, these, this, these geographical places, even this magnificent temple that Solomon built, it's too small. It's still just a signpost that one day God is going to come and pour his spirit out on all flesh and everyone that will receive him. And then we carry the abiding presence of God on the inside of us. And we become these temples of the Holy Spirit. It's magnificent. And I want us to lift our gaze today and, and, just, and just understand again how wonderful this good news is of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's God's plan for a new humanity. So that's a very quick overview of the presence of God in the Bible. We could spend many hours talking about this. Let me just say this secondly, the presence of God and me. So the question can come, well, so if you've got Jesus uh, and he's living on the inside of you, what, what is there to be hungry for? Why are you making such a big deal about this? And there can kind of be this tension between, uh, yeah, I know God, he lives on the inside of me. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a, I, I, I carry the presence of God around with me. And yet it seems that the Bible invites us to greater levels of the experience of his presence. And, and settling for too little can be a tragedy for us. My prayer is, God, don't let me settle for too little of you. And there's this weird tension between, oh, God lives in me, and yet I can still settle for too little. It's just good for us to talk about it. Jeremiah 29, 13, God speaking through the prophets, Jeremiah says, you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. See, God is willing to reveal more of himself than we often think he is. We settle for too little. We get tired. It all gets familiar. Circumstances kind of weigh us down. Just the busyness of modern life. We just get through. We just settle for something that isn't the best. You see, we should find an appetite within us growing, saying, God, it, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful that you're living in me, but God, I want to know what that really means. I want to experience the very best that you've got for me. I don't want to settle for something that's too little. There was a story recently in the UK of like a, a syndicate of people who worked in, a, I think it was a factory in a city in the north of England. And uh, every week they'd kind of get together, they'd put their money together and they'd go into what's called the National Lottery. And uh, uh, they'd fill their six numbers in and it turns out that they did it and their six numbers plus the bonus number came up, it won. They're watching it on a Saturday evening and they're going, yes! But here's the thing, the person, each week someone different would take the card in and, and, and actually give the numbers in. The person didn't do it that week. So they kind of won, they got the numbers, but it didn't get put in the system. And we can live our lives, I think, sometimes for seasons where we've kind of got it. I mean, we, 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 we are temples of the Holy Spirit. 
God's living in us, but we're not really doing anything about it. We're barely aware of it. We're just living our busy lives. It's like we've, we've, we've won. It's like, what has God done for us? It's amazing. And we just carry on. It's like we don't really claim it. We don't claim the goodness of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And his presence is now within us. Every second of every minute of every hour of every day. And we just get busy. I know we get busy. I'm not being silly about it. But are we reaching out enough for God? Are we aware of him living in us as much as we should be? God, if I'm your dwelling place, I want to know what that really means. I want to know what that's really like. I don't want to miss it. Maybe your prayer life is difficult. Maybe you do need to persevere. and There is a sense of discipline and perseverance in prayer. But also maybe you just need to believe God for more of his presence with you and ask him for it. Don't be content, go after God. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. It's a promise of scripture, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See David again, Psalm 36 verse 8 and 9. David talks about feasting on an abundant house. That's what he says, the, the, the call of a psalmist in Psalm 36. He's come and feast on an abundant house. God gives us a table of good things in the midst of our enemies. That's the promise of God. He says, come and feast. Don't nibble. Don't take a bit. Don't be cautious. Come and feast on my abundant house. That's the call of God for us. Don't settle for too little. He says, come and feast on my abundant house. He says, I give you water to drink from my river of delights. I'm giving you water from my river of delights. Psalm 36. I'm giving you water from my river of delights. We go to other streams so often. We go to polluted streams. We don't go to this river of delights. It's there for us. For with you is the fountain of life, it says. Feast on my abundant house. Drink from my river of delight. For with you is the fountain of life so much for us we're temples of God God's come to live on the inside of us reach out to him reach out to him go for more there's more of his presence for us to experience we looked at the presence of God in the Bible and God's desire to presence himself with us and he comes in the form of Jesus and then breaks out everywhere <laughs> we've looked at the tension of, yeah, he's in us, but there's more for us. Let me finish with this, the presence of God in the church. See, we're a community together. That's what churches are. We fellowship with each other. We're joined together in Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about us being brothers and sisters together in Christ. We're adopted into the family of God. We're not just a social club. We're not just some people that get together occasionally. We're more than that. We're joined together in Christ. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, 9, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. He says, in whom? It's in Jesus. In Jesus, the whole structure being joined together grows 
into a holy temple in the Lord. The next verse, Ephesians 2.22. In him, that's Jesus, in Jesus you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Something very important being said here. You see, we are temples. We're temples of the living God. We've looked at that earlier. It's like we're now individual temples of God. The presence of God comes to live on the inside of us. But the Bible also says it's like we're being built together into a dwelling place for God. So what, what is this? What's happening here? It's like a new dimension to it. The Bible also says we're living stones. So let me just, let me just draw this together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Oh, so it's not just me. Yeah, well, yes, it is. You're, you're, a temp, you're a temple of the living God. Peter says you're like a living stone. Oh, okay, so I'm a brick. <laughs> I'm a stone. Oh, that's, what? Yes, this is important. Something wonderful has happened in that God has now broken out everywhere to everyone that will receive him. And when you receive him, he comes to live on the inside of you. But the Bible also talks about us being built together into like a house for God. And when, so when we gather on a Sunday, and I know it's difficult right now digitally, but thank God for thank God for the digital means we have got, and it it, it kind of it kind of there's a sense in which we do gather together. But church, when we're together physically in person, and please I encourage you, when we can, let's gather together, because what the Bible says is, the Bible actually tells us, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. And, and it's not just because it's good for us, it's because something spiritual is happening when we gather together. Because we come together as like these living stones, and as we come together, as, we, as the church gathers, any time it gathers, but particularly let's just talk about Sunday for a moment, we come together on Sunday, and you come into the, the meeting place, as a living stone full of the presence of God because God is living now on the inside of you and you're full of the Holy Spirit and the Bible says it's like you come in as these living stones and you're with lots of other living stones and actually believe God for some people who haven't received Jesus yet but there'll be lots of living stones together in the room and as we come together we start to build something else together. There's something being built. It's like this temple in God. And so God is moving within us and then he starts moving among us. So these living stones start blessing each other. And the presence of God is moving around between us as well as within us. And it's like, it's like a sign to a world that doesn't know Jesus of a new humanity in Christ. That's why the gathering together at the church is so important. It's not an optional thing. It's like we demonstrate something to the world. This is what Jesus has done. It's not just that he's done something personal in my life. It's like he's doing something together in a community of people. We're now going to live differently together. It says something. It speaks of something to the city of Ottawa when we gather together. There's something holy happening. It's like all these living stones walk in together and God starts to build something. You're being built together into a dwelling place by 
for God by the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. My friends, just take a moment. We've, lived, we've been through a very strange year. Finish with this. Been through a strange year. Many of us would have felt a bit alone, separated, everything's out of routine. The presence of God is with you. You receive Jesus into your life. You're now a temple of the living God. You don't have to go to a building anymore. God has come to you in the person of Jesus Christ. We encourage you. Say, God, help me to be more aware of this, that you're with me, that you're living in me, that the power of the Holy Spirit is on me. God, I want to be more aware of you everywhere I go. My friendships, people that don't know Jesus, the way I interact with people, help me be more aware of your Holy Spirit. Guide me, lead me, shape me, change me. God, you're with me. I want to worship you. I want to lift your name high. I want to praise you. God, I don't want to settle for something because of busyness that's not your best. Help me, God. Keep going for it. Oh, please. And God, help me be aware that, that when we gather together as the people of God, something very sacred is happening. We come together as people full of the presence of God with lots of other people that are full of the presence of God. And it's like God builds us into this spiritual house together. My friends, let me finish with this. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Father, I pray for us right now that we would know more of your presence, that we'd understand the wonder of what you've done for us, that God has now broken out through Jesus and come to live on the inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit who's been poured out I pray for us as a community, God, for those that feel the busiest, the most distant from you, we would cry out to you, God, I'm thirsty for you. God, I'm thirsty for you. And as the day draws nearer when we can gather together again, that God, you would build us into this house for you. As we come together as those that carry the presence of God, that I pray for these things. Just continue with us in these moments as we worship together for the glory of Jesus. Amen.